0: Good morning. morning. We're going to turn to Ephesians chapter 1 this morning and again we do not have a junior church leader so we'll ask the kids to stay here with us and I am also as you're turning there well aware of the fact that this is Mother's Day. (laughs) Uh, Thanks to my wife there's a token of appreciation for the ladies in the church in basket in the back so feel free to help yourself there. It's not for mothers it's for all the ladies and and, uh, we just want to say thank you for your valuable part and contribution to our church and, and ministry here i am not giving a traditional mother's day message i gave that up years ago when i came to the realization that mothers are probably the most overworked and underpaid group of people in our society i figured they don't need another message from pastor dan and so we're going to continue with our study of the book of ephesians this morning starting in verse 15 of chapter 1. For this reason I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ which exists among you, and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks to you while making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, so that you may know What is the hope of his calling? What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? And I'm going to stop at that point. I realize your program says verse 23, and that's all part of the prayer. But that's as far as we're going to get today. And so we'll pick up the the rest of it next week there. William Hurst made a fortune in the newspaper business. I don't know if you could do that nowadays with uh, the Internet. Uh, newspapers are kind of going the, the way of, of uh, some of the other things that are falling by the wayside there. But he made a fortune in the newspaper business. He also accumulated a fortune in art. He loved art, uh, had accumulated a tremendous collection of art, he would often send representatives out to find a particular piece of art and and buy it for him. And on one occasion, he heard of this special masterpiece that he just had to have as part of his collection. And so he called his representatives in. he commissioned them to go out and, at all costs, find that piece of art and buy it and bring it back to him. Months later, they returned, having gone around the world trying to trace down this, this work of art, only to find out that it was stored in one of William Hearst's warehouses. (laughs) He already had it. He just didn't enjoy it. It was in his possession, but because he didn't even realize it was there, he got no enjoyment out of it. Sometimes I think it's important for us to pray, Lord, open our eyes. Help us to see the tremendous blessings that you have brought into our lives. So often we have we've been blessed but we don't enjoy it because we don't even stop to think about it or acknowledge it it's possible for us if we're not careful to live as if god doesn't exist we wrestle with doubts and yet we just looked last week at the fact that we've been sealed with the spirit of god we we wrestle we struggle with issues of self-esteem and yet God a few verses before this declared the fact that we're accepted in the beloved. We're we're part of his family. We wonder sometimes, does God love us when we go through a trial or a difficult circumstance? We question his love and his concern. And yet he's already revealed to us the fact that he's chosen us, that we are accepted in the beloved, that we, we have his love showered uh, upon us here. And so It becomes important sometimes that we pray, Lord, open our eyes. Help us to see the blessings that that you have brought into our life. Paul begins in verse 15 a prayer that reveals three things here. He he deals first of all the the reality of who we are in Christ. And then he takes a look uh, at the reality of who we can be in Christ. And that's different. They're not one and the same there. And then the third thing he looks at is whose we are. Who do we really belong to? And we'll, we'll look at that one next week. But we're going to look at, first of all, the reality of who we are in verses 15 and 16. Paul begins with a spirit of rejoicing here. He was rejoicing because he was writing to a group of men and women who were people of faith. He was rejoicing in their faith today. And the fact of the matter is... If you've accepted Christ as your personal Savior, you're a person of faith as well. You, you have come to God by faith. And so as he thinks of that, of who we are, the reality of who we are, he looks at first of all the exercise of faith. It is faith that brings us into the family of God. Uh, all the blessings that we've looked at the last three weeks are a result of the fact that we are in Christ Jesus by faith. John 1.12 says as uh, many as received him to them he gave the right to become the sons of God. It was an act of faith on their part as they received him they were brought into the family. They were showered with the blessing of God. It's not a result of works. It's not a result of our parents. It's not a result of the rituals that we go through. The fact that we are people of faith is a gift of God's grace. First Corinthians chapter. 15, verse 10 says, by the grace of God, I am what I am today. And it is through faith that we appropriate the gift of grace. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, for by grace are you saved through faith that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I think think we see a pattern of that in the Old Testament in the life of Abraham. You remember the story of Abraham he was called by god to leave his homeland to leave his family to to leave everything that he had in the land of ur and god said i want you to go and he didn't even tell him where he wanted him to go he said when you get there i'll reveal it to you how how many of us would like to start out on a trip like that Uh, you know what we i I like to plan out our trips i I like to know just how far we're going each day where we're going to stay and, and so forth But he said, Abraham, you just go, and uh, I'll take care of you. When you get there, I'll tell you this is the land. And so, to his credit, he goes. He makes his way to Haran, and his father dies there, and then he goes on down. They eventually get to the promised land, and God said, this is it. This is the land that I'm giving to you and and to your descendants. And uh, so they settle into the land, and if, if you recall, he took his nephew Lot with him, and Lot was a wealthy man, the same as Abraham. They, there began to be problems between their herdsmen because it just wasn't enough land for all of the flocks. And so Abraham came up with a bright idea. Lot, you go one way, and I'll go the other way. Somebody said that was the beginning of the Baptist church. <laughs> but uh, that, that's what they did. And, and Lot looks over the land, and he says, well, hey, I'd like that well-watered land down along the Jordan River. And he moves down in that direction and and, uh, moves into the the city of Sodom. And he gets in trouble there because he gets pulled into the political involvement of the day. The the kings of different cities, city-states and so forth, fighting one another. And Lot is taken captive. And Abraham gets news that his nephew is taken captive. And Abraham gets a group of men together. They go after the enemy and they capture them they bring back the spoil and everything is fine lots returned to his home uh, the, the king of sodom said hey you, you can take the spoil just let me have the people abraham says no i, I will not take any of the spoil uh, he said uh, it, it's yours he said i don't want to say that you made me rich here and, and everything was fine except for the fact that now abraham was a target the kings that he defeated were not going to be very happy with Lot they were not going to let that situation go by they're, they're going to come back and guess who they're, who they're going to come against they're going to come against Abraham because he's the one that, that delivered him here and, and so he's living now under the threat of that and the Lord appears to him in chapter 15 of Genesis and said Abraham I am your exceeding great reward there he said, don't fear, I'm your shield. I, I will take care of you in in this situation. And Abraham has some questions. He said, well, Lord, how do I know this since you haven't given me a, a son? How, how do I know that you're going to fulfill your your promises here? And God reveals to him the fact that he's going to keep his word. That, that day is coming. And, and the thing that I want you to get out of that story is f- chapter 15, verse 6, where he says, then he believed in the Lord. And it was counted to him for righteousness. He believed the word of the Lord there. He believed that God meant what he said today. We are called today to be men and women of faith. We are called not to walk by sight at times, but to walk by faith. If God says it, we may not understand how it's going to work out. We may not understand what he's doing in the midst of a trial, but... If God says it, we do it, or we should do it. We, we are, are to exercise our faith in God. We have believed in him for our salvation. Do we believe that he is in control of tomorrow, of our, our daily life, of, of the, the things that we're facing? Do we really see God's hand at work in our life? We are called to walk by faith. The evidence of faith. Why are was Paul so confident that their faith was genuine here? He commended them for their faith, but why why was he so confident that it was genuine? Notice in verse uh, 15 there, he speaks of the fact not only of their faith, which exists, but also their love for all the saints. Do you recall the words of Jesus in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35? He said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, not by their faith there, but by their love. For one another. It was a, as they lived out that faith in their interpersonal relationships that they were revealing the fact that they belonged to Jesus Christ. In chapter 2, we're, we're so familiar with verses 8 and 9 by grace you've been saved and so forth. But did you ever go on to verse 10? That's a key verse there. It says, After not a result of works that no one should boast, he said, We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in that. We are not saved by works, but if we are saved, there should be a change in our lives. There should be an evidence of works there. We, we we should be living out our faith on a day-by-day basis. James chapter 2, in verse 15, he says, If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warm, be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? Even so, faith, if it is, has no works, is dead, being by itself. Our faith needs to be worked out in our daily life, and it's worked out by how we interact with one another there. Can others looking at you see the reality of faith? The reality of the fact that that you belong to Jesus Christ—can they see that by your actions and by your your lifestyle? There, I, I remember years ago. It's amazing what I remember at times. <laughs> I, I was in college, and four days a week we had chapel, and you had to go to chapel. It wasn't—it was no choice. You, you, you went or else. And so, you know. Over a year's time, you hear an awful lot of messages, and four, four days a week plus Sundays and, and so forth. And, and the temptation a lot of times was just to tune it out, think about your assignment or, or whatever else you, you had going on in your life at that time. Once in a while, though, somebody would say something that, that just stuck with you. And I remember this one pastor, I don't know who he, who he was anymore or where he was from, but he, he raised the question, he said if you were put on trial for being a christian would there be enough evidence to convict you interesting thought isn't it if if we were put on trial today for being a christian would the world see enough evidence in our life to say you're guilty you're you're a child of god do do, do we live in such a way that others looking at us get a glimpse of jesus christ paul was commending the Ephesians for that fact. They were living out their faith. Their, their love was genuine. It was growing, and it was evident to all of those around about them. And then we have in verse 16, I think, the expression of faith here on Paul's part. Having heard of their faith, having heard of the fact that they loved one another, and the testimony of, of what God was doing in their lives, Paul did two things in verse 16. He gave thanks, and He prayed for those that group of believers. And I think both of them was an exercise of faith. He gave thanks for the church in Ephesus. He recognized that God was at work in them. Now, that doesn't mean that Paul understood all that God was doing in Ephesus. You know, sometimes giving thanks is a real exercise of faith. Uh, Matter of fact, Hebrews chapter 13 says sometimes we have to offer to God in verse 15, a sacrifice of praise. When things are not going the way we think they should or, or we're going through a trial or, or or something in our life that we don't understand, uh, when we come to Philippians, it says rejoice in the Lord always. And, and again, I say rejoice. You ever have those times when you don't feel like rejoicing? Yeah, you look at the circumstances and what, what do I have to rejoice for? But if we can rejoice in those moments, that becomes a sacrifice of praise. What we're really saying is, I believe God is at work in this situation, and I'm going to give him thanks. Even though I don't understand it, I'm going to give him thanks for what he is doing or about to do through this situation in my life. I think of an Old Testament story in that connection. How many of you remember the story of the leper, Naaman? He had come down with leprosy. Uh, he was a Syrian. He he was sent by the king to, he, because he was a commander of the army, he was sent. They received word from a little servant girl that uh, there was a prophet in, in Israel that could heal leprosy. And so he went and, and he, he had it all figured out how this prophet was going to heal him. And he comes knocking at the door and the prophet doesn't show up. He sends a servant. And the servant says, I want you to go and dip yourself in the Jordan River seven times, and you will be healed. You remember how Naaman reacted to that? He got angry. He said, the, the rivers up in Syria are, are crystal clear. I, they're much. I don't want to dip myself in the dirty old Jordan River. Uh, and, and he started to go away. And fortunately, his servant said, hey, if he'd asked something difficult, you would have done it. So why, why not go and at least give it a try? And, and he did. You ever wonder what he thought when he went and dipped himself in the water the first time and he comes up and he looks at his hands or feet or wherever the leprosy was, no change. He does it the second time. That was faith to go the seven times. And because of that, he was able to praise the Lord. But I wonder if there wasn't some praising going on even before that that seventh time because the servants, some of them realized Something's going to happen here. And we're going to give God thanks for that even before it happens there. Thanks can be an expression of faith. So can prayer. Prayer brings us hope. It brings us encouragement. When we pray, what we're really doing is we're inviting God into that situation. We may not understand the situation, but we know that God is able to do something and, and work in our lives so if we are truly men and women of faith today then those two elements will be evident in our life we will be people of thanksgiving offering thanks to god for what he has done and what he is doing and and let's let's be honest for just a minute here uh we, we can all look at problems we, we can all look at circumstances and see something we'd love to change But if we were really honest, we can all look at our lives and say, we've been tremendously blessed of God. He has worked in so many ways in our hearts, in our lives, in our church, and so forth. We have so much to say thank you for today. And then are we men and women of prayer? Do we really believe that God is at work? And do we invite him to be at work in our situation? So that the reality of who they were. They were men and women of faith. We want to look at... Though the second thing hear the reality of who they can be or who we can be today in verses 17 through 19. He comes here with three requests. A good pattern for us to pray. A good prayer that it would do us well to, to pray in our own prayer time to, to re-pray what, what Paul is, is praying for here. You know, too often when we go to prayer for not careful, what do we think of? We think of our creature comforts. We think of health, we think of wealth we, we, we think of needs that we have and, and these are important areas, and certainly we should bring those areas to the lord but don 't stop there that that 's just the beginning that 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 's not where the real issues are. Uh, Paul prays first of all here that he he has a prayer for intimacy here in, in um, verse seventeen he says that the God of our Father may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. They, he was, what he was praying in that was that they would get to know God in a deeper, fuller way. That's the thrust of his prayer, that they would know him better. In John chapter 17 and verse 3, he says, This is life eternal, that they may know thee the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Now, when we come to know God... That brings us eternal life, but that's just the beginning. In James chapter, or excuse me, Philippians chapter three, Paul's great prayer in verse ten was that I may know Him, that I may know Jesus Christ in a deeper, fuller way. Uh, he goes on to say that he wanted to know the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering. Both of them revealed something about the character of Jesus Christ to, to the apostle Paul. And you know, as I th- think about that, so often. Isn't it the trials that reveal so much to us about the Lord? Uh, someone penned those words in a song, if I never knew a, tr- a trial, I'd never know that God could solve them. And that's so true. We we, we learn so much through our trials. Uh, we, we do learn through the good times, but uh, maybe not quite as much as, as we learn through the trials. I I think of the illustration of a man who, was looking for a card for their 40th wedding anniversary. Men, do you ever have trouble picking out cards? <laughs> uh, ladies seem to do it so much better than men. But uh, he, this man had looked at every card, every anniversary card on the rack, and he was starting over again. And one of the sales ladies saw he, he seemed to be having difficulty, so she came to him and asked, can I help you? And he said to her, you know, he said, it's so much harder to pick out a card that says what you really feel after 40 years of marriage than after a year of marriage. Why? Because they know each other so much better. They had grown in, in in an intimate relationship with one another. And has that happened with you in the Lord? Do you know him better today than you did last year or 10 years ago? H- have you grown in your, your walk with him, in, in your relationship with him? That's what Paul is praying here, that we might come to know him in a deeper, fuller, way it's good prayer to pray lord teach me more about yourself help me help me to see you in a new light and and to appreciate more and more about you as time goes on that takes time on our part takes effort like the young couple that after they were married they were driving down the road and the wife says well you know when we were first going together we used to sit side by side that that date's the situation because that was before the days of seatbelts and uh, uh and, and now look at us one's on one side of the car one's on the other what, what what's what's gone wrong here and the husband looked at her and said who moved <laughs> good thought there If if we're not growing in our relationship with the lord who moved it's not him it's us we, we, we need to, to recognize that fact today. And so pray for intimacy with, with him. Also pray um, that for enlightenment in verse 18. He prays that the eyes of their heart now may be opened so that we may experience the hope that he has for us uh, um so that we may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the, the saints there. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is a substance of things what? Hope for things not yet seen. Uh, we, we exercise that faith, that hope that God is going to do what he has promised to do. You ever wonder what in the world is going on in your life? What, what is God, God doing in certain circumstances? I think Job did. Uh, He wrestles with that through 42 chapters in, in the book of Job. Now, Job never received an answer from God as far as the why of his trials there. But notice the faith of Job. In Job chapter 19, verse 25, he said, As for me, I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will take his stand on the earth. Even after my skin is destroyed, yet from my flesh I shall see God. He had that hope in his heart that someday he was going to be with God in in glory. And then just a few chapters over, he says in chapter 23, verse 10, he knows the way that I take. When he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Do you believe that in the midst of a trial? Do you believe that when things aren't going the way you think they should? Do Do you really believe that God knows what he's doing and when it's all done and over with and everything is said, that somehow, some way, God's going to be glorified in that situation. Do we really believe that he has our best interests in heart? We need to pray, Lord, open our eyes to see the reality of that fact there. As he prays that prayer, notice he speaks of the, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. An interesting phrase there his inheritance in the saints, not our inheritance now we, we got a glimpse of our inheritance back in verses 3 through 14 uh, as we saw all of the blessings that god has showered uh, upon us there that's the inheritance that we have because we're part of god's family there but this is different expression he said it's his inheritance in the saints you ever stop and wonder what do i have to offer god In Psalm chapter 50, I believe it is, 49 or 50, I didn't look it up. I was thinking of it this morning, and I didn't take the time to look it up. But he said, you know what? If I was hungry, I wouldn't tell you. I own the cattle on a thousand hills, the wealth in every mind. We don't really have anything that God needs. Uh, He owns it all. The the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof. It all belongs to him. We we like to think I have my little corner, and this is mine. But it's not. It's God's. We, We only have the use of it. For uh, while we're here on this earth, but it, it really belongs to God. What do we have to offer him? What, what is that inheritance that he's talking about here? I think what he's saying in that phrase is that somehow, as we walk through those trials, as we walk through those difficulties, as we walk through that pain at times, somehow God is going to be glorified through it. An interesting one to wrestle with is chapter 3, verse 10. It says, in order that the manifold wisdom of... He's talking about the church here and what God's revealing through the church. He said, in order that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. He's saying that somehow you and I are revealing something about the wisdom of God, about the love of God, about the grace of God to the angels. You ever stop to think about that? What do we have to teach the angels? I mean, they have the the privilege of being with God in glory, and, and he's saying something about your life is speaking to their hearts. And I think as we walk through a trial or a blessing or whatever it may be, and if we can do it and praise the Lord in the midst of it, then somehow we are revealing his glory to someone else. And if we're revealing his glory to someone else, then that's part of the inheritance that we have to offer to the Lord. So next time you're tempted to pray, Lord, why me? Maybe it would be better to pray, Lord, what do you want to do through this? How do you want to use this to glorify your name? What do you want to show somebody else about your grace or your love or, or, or whatever it may be? How do you want to use me to somehow glorify jesus christ and the amazing thing is he does he he uses us to to touch the lives of others well and that brings us to the final part of his prayer here in verse 19 and we'll take up the rest of 19 next week but it's a prayer for enablement he says and what is the surpassing greatness of what his power toward us i like the story of the little boy that was helping his dad out in the field and his dad, he wanted to help his dad. So his dad said, I, I want you to pick up the rocks that are in the field. Uh, you-, you ever had that job? <laughs> yeah, you- you've been there. You've-, you- you've done that. Not not the most pleasant job, but a, a necessary job. I-, I grew up in an uh, area of Pennsylvania. Within two or three miles of-, of my house, there were five working quarries. They would scrape away the topsoil, maybe a foot or two of topsoil, and there it would be solid rock they would blast the rock out crush it up and, and make gravel out of it so uh, when you plowed fields in that area it wasn't uncommon to have rocks it's amazing those rocks every year seem to grow <laughs> they, they just keep coming out where do they where do they come from you you'd think you get them all out of the field you'd be set for the next year but it doesn't work that way there's always more there <laughs> This boy was doing his job faithfully, and he came to a big rock, and he couldn't move it. And uh, he told his dad, I, I, can't, I can't get this rock out. And his father said, son, are you using all your strength? And the boy kind of felt a little bit of reproof in that, so he, he went back, and he struggled again to lift that rock, and, and he couldn't budge it. He came back, and he said, dad, I, I can't do it. And he said, are you using all your strength? And the boy got a little bit exasperated with that. He said, yes, I'm I'm trying as hard as I can, and it won't budge. He said, no, you're not, son. He said, you haven't asked for my help. The the strength, the power was there, but he had to ask for it. And and together, they were able to move that rock out out of the field. Do you ever feel inadequate for the job that God gives you to do, that God asked you to do? Do you ever feel like I can't do this? We we can make all kinds of excuses why we can't. If God asks us to do something, what he's saying here is God will give us the power, the strength, whatever it is we need to do the job that that he wants us to do in this lifetime. He piles one word on the other here in in these in this sentence there. Uh he speaks of uh in Philippians four thirteen, he says, "I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me," and he's he's illustrating that here. He speaks of, first of all, he said, "the surpassing greatness of what his power." The same word is used in Acts chapter one verse eight, where he says, "You shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses there." And yet, how many times do we know that? And yet, we sit back and say. I can't witness. I can't share Christ. What if they ask me a question that I don't know the answer for? Uh, we we make all kinds of excuses, and God says, I'll give you the power. The the word, <laughs> word that he uses there is the root word for dynamite. Uh, he can move rocks. We, we can't, but he can. Uh, he can break hardened hearts. Uh, we don't have the ability to do that, but he gives us the power that we need there. Then he says, um, he uses the word work here not his work but ours the the word work speaks of energy he gives us the energy that we need to do his work and then he speaks of might and he speaks of strength here we'll see more of those two next week but i I think of what jeremiah said in jeremiah chapter 32 Uh, he was going through a difficult time The, the babylonians were camped outside the city of jerusalem they were about to overrun the city And uh, along comes Jeremiah's cousin and says, hey, you have the right of redemption to this piece of property where the priest lived out at Anatoth. He said, I want you to redeem it. The only problem was the Babylonians were camped in that city. And Jeremiah's in prison, and he said, I don't want to take my limited resources and, and redeem that piece of property that I may never ever get to use. And yet God came to him and said, I want you to do that. And so he did. And out of that he comes, in Jeremiah 32, he says, "Ah, Lord God, there is nothing too difficult for thee. Do we believe that today? Nothing too difficult for the Lord? Do, Do we dare to ask him to work? Do we believe he's at work in us individually? Do we believe that he's at work in our church? Or do we look at the problems and we say we can't do it? Perhaps we need to pray, Lord, open our eyes. Help us to see what you're able to do. Not what we're able to do, but what God, God, what you're able to do through us. Years ago, after pastoring a church for six years, I realized I'm not prepared for this. I'm a little slow sometimes. It takes it took six years to get to that point. But we had served as a missionary for 10 or 12 years and then pastored a church for six years. And I decided, if I'm going to continue on as a pastor, I need to get some more training. I was not trained for the pastorate. And so I applied to Multnomah and was accepted in their master's program. And yet, that was wrought with some difficulties, because how were we going to live for a year? It was a one-year program. I felt we could handle one year, but I didn't know whether our supporters would continue our support now we'd been in a church planning situation and and so we didn't have a lot of support but we did have some we also had the school bills to look at and a house to find and so forth but um and 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 then to compound the problem the the church that we were leaving gave us a a a very good offering before we left but i knew when we got to the border that we lost a third of that because of the the u.s exchange it it was that bad at that time (laughs) And so our oldest was, our son was 13 years of age. You ever try feeding a 13-year-old son? <laughs> I mean, your your grocery bills go up astronomically. And this is what we're facing as we go into there. Well, we had a, the last Sunday I was there in the church, they had a, a farewell party for us, a going away party. And they, we were reminiscing over what, the lord had done in the last six years and so forth Uh, back in those days we we took a lot of pictures and and we took slides and and so we put on a slideshow Uh, i haven't done that here uh we might when we eventually leave we might get some pictures up on the screen of what's happened in the years 10 years we've been here or more but uh i I won't embarrass you like i did them with so many of the pictures of uh, of all that went on during those years but uh, then people got to sharing and word of encouragement with us and so forth and I still remember one young man sharing. He had uh, had the privilege of leading him to Christ about two years before we left and he was growing in his faith and he said, uh, he said, Pastor Dan, he said, I heard something on the TV this morning that I just want to share with you. I don't know who he was listening to, what radio or TV pastor it was, but uh, He said, the thing that I heard him say was, never doubt in the dark what God has revealed in the light. He said, God's called you there. It's not going to be easy. There's going to be some dark times. You're not going to understand what he's doing. But don't doubt God's call. Good advice for us. God has called all of us in different ways. Uh, are, Are we doubting his power are we doubting his ability or do we recognize yes it may be we may be going through a tough time but guess what god's still on the throne god's still in control god knows what he's doing are are we giving him the glory that he deserves because we are exercising as men and women we are exercising our faith in him are you facing a challenge today maybe you need to bow in prayer and say lord open my eyes Help me to see what you're doing, what you want to do, how you're going to work this out. Help me to see who you are in the midst of this circumstance. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are, for what you have done in our lives. We thank you that you've made us your children through faith. We thank you that you've called us to walk by faith. And, Father, there are many times when we don't fully understand the path, but we understand you. And so give us the courage to be men and women of faith. And if need be, open our eyes to the reality of what you're doing and what you want to do in and through us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing together, Open Our Eyes.